It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No time on the clock. The Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. It's a quick throw. It is. Okay, quick intro today because we are on to Pittsburgh. Patriots 0-1, going to visit the Steelers. They're actually, as you'll hear me mention, about a point or point and a half favorite. And this line has changed a lot. Break it all down. We had Mike Giardi, the NFL Network. If you've been listening, you've definitely heard Mike. He, he's great. I mean, point blank. But he was also in Cincinnati last week to cover the Steelers-Bengals game. So instead of going to someone at Pittsburgh to break down the Steelers, we'd be in Mike, who knows the Patriots, and obviously parts of Pittsburgh. We cover everything. We followed the same format as I did last week with Dakota Randall and Zach Cox of Nesson, albeit without the cabana and being poolside. God, do I miss South Florida? But uh, we still had some fun. So you'll hear us go down when the Steelers have the ball, when the Patriots have the ball, three keys, two matchups, one extra point, and then a couple mailbag questions. We were light on mailbag this week, probably because I tweeted asking for questions at like 10 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, so it seems like we'll get more after game. Totally fine. We covered a lot of ground without that, but we always invite feedback here. And this goes for mailbag. It goes for our format. It goes for guests that you want to hear from. We're going to dip back more into kind of the ex players or more recent Patriots, uh, here coming up shortly. But if there's anything else you want to change or you want to see, or you more on the more, you want to know more of give a shout, you know, find me on Twitter, email me a Callahan at bostonherald.com. We'd love to hear from you about things that we can change because we found a good rhythm here, you know, Tuesdays and Fridays in season, recapping and previewing games. We'll do some fun stuff to the side, but, you know, we can only think of so many things on our own. So, again, if you want to have more questions beyond just the games that are being played or about the format or things you want to try or do differently or guess, whatever, always hit me up at underscore Andrew Callahan on Twitter, Callahan at bostonherald.com, and we would love to hear from you. Also, same goes with the ratings and reviews. Apple, Spotify, wherever you can help us. This helps grow and expand. We've done that. It's been great. And I'm super grateful for everyone who's, you know, popped in with a five-star or recent review um, because, you know, the more we grow, the more we can do here on the pod and maybe take more trips to more pools and go by the cabana or have different guests on, um, you know, who otherwise might might charge a little bit. But Mike Jardy does not charge as much as he brings up payment in the first part of this interview. What a guy. Uh, and then we get into what I think is a really in-depth, good preview of what should be a coin toss game. So here we go. Pat Steelers on Sunday, Mike Giardi and your boy right now on Friday morning. Mike Giardi, the NFL Network, back for a third time on Pat's interference, making history. You shake your head. Like, what? <laughs> this is get, a bad start, Mike. This might be the third and final time. Do I get paid for this? What am I getting? Do I get like a co-writer, a co-producer? 
Well, the audition's still, it's ongoing, okay? It's a multi-part <laughs> audition. Yeah, I see, three parts. all right. So this, all right. this might decide it. You're kind of like on the fence right now. It depends on how today goes. Nice. Okay. Uh, Patriots, Steelers. Patriots are slight favorites on the road. Let's start there. It's not on the rundown. Were you surprised? I think it's about Patriots minus one, one and a half going on the road. Uh, having just watched uh, Pittsburgh win at Cincinnati um, and then gone over the Patriots tape, I would have said that this was a pick game. So I guess from that regard, usually home field used to be three points. I guess I w- I'm a little bit surprised, but I think these are two teams that are, as Mike Tomlin said, transitional teams right now. And I think that that jumped out to me when he said it a couple of days ago. Um, I wonder how the Patriots feel about that sort of uh, <laughs> thought process from the other coach. We know the Patriots in the past get a little chippy with that, but I, I think he's right. I think he's accurate. They, they had Ben Roethlisberger for all those years. Now it's Mitch Trubisky with Kenny Pickett waiting and the Patriots obviously had Tom Brady for a zillion years. And then it's Cam Newton, Mac Jones um, and new coaches. And they're definitely, you know, trying to find themselves. Yeah. Two young quarterbacks, a rookie in Pittsburgh, who's not even playing yet. Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, obviously second year here in the Patriots. This was either kind of rebuild or reload. And it looks like from everything we've seen, albeit one game and one training camp in preseason, uh, it's leaning a little bit more of a rebuild at bridge year. But before we get to big picture stuff, Part of the reason I wanted to have you on is what you just mentioned. You were in Cincinnati for the game that would never end, like the old child song. (laughs) Just no one wanted to take this and field goals and interceptions and turnovers. And I'm looking at this box score and it's like the old, most tired in-game tweet that anyone has going, this game was not drunk. This game was like rushed to the hospital and had its stomach pumped because of just no one wanted to win. And defensively, the Steelers killed them. So aside from that, like, just any takeaways from things that you could only see just being there and watching this team up close that obviously the Patriots are going to get a very close look at on Sunday. I just thought that the Steelers offense was incredibly disjointed and it's not just personnel based. I think it's scheme based, a lot of motions to nowhere. Like, what are you setting up? You never saw the next part of it. Um, you know, they, they continue. And this has been a theme for them for the last several years. Uh, they, they're, they're, they have big problems up front. And they struggle to run the ball. And Najee Harris had a bunch of yards last year. But if you look at yards per carry, I mean, struggled. And and same thing in the game, 10 carries, 23 yards. Chase Claypool ends up being their leading rusher on, you know, jet sweeps and some shovel passes and things of that nature. So I I think they're – I don't think they have an identity offensively. And I'm not really sure in watching the game, like, what are you aiming towards? I'm I'm just – I was really kind of – surprised that you had this entire time and Trubisky had asserted himself in the spring um, as the guy who was at least going to be the, the, the front runner and, and, you know, maintain that role throughout the summer that you didn't have a little bit more uh, drawn up to play to his strengths, if you will. And it just, it surprised me. And I think, you know, you contrast that with what the Patriots are going through offensively too. And like 13 to 10 on, on Sunday, you looking forward to that? <laughs> I don't think I have a choice, Mike. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe, no. maybe that is the choice, you know, to be optimistic or pessimistic. But look, like I, I've said this many times about week one and week two, we know nothing yet. You know, we think we know. We build up all these expectations, you know, over the months where we have no football and we fill the void with just what we expect will happen and then try to carry that over even sometimes when it's wildly different. And some teams like last year, the Panthers, you know, people forget, started three and one and eventually got to the place that we didn't expect. But in the interim it was like oh maybe maybe Carolina's kind of good or the Patriots two and four season blows up on the other hand they go to nine and four the number one seed in the AFC East or the AFC as a whole 
Um, but the, the, the thing I want to start with, because last week, you know, we were doing this new format, previewing the game, Patriots have the ball when the opponent has the ball, three, two, one, three keys, two matchups, one extra point. Let's reverse the first two. Let's just start with the Steelers offense, because I think we've just talked the Patriots offense to death. And at some point you can just point to the box score and go seven points and that's it. And we don't have to do the whole, from a yardage standpoint, it was even, it just <laughs> was what it was. And I covered that in the last episode. But when you start with the Steelers, I think the offensive line is something that we need to get to, and will be very important, probably a bellwether for this game, same as the Patriots. Let's start with Trubisky, because I think, and wrote about for this upcoming Sunday edition of the Herald, the book is out on this guy, okay? He's not particularly accurate. Completion percentage for his career below 64%. He annually ranks among the league leaders in turnover where he plays at pro football focus, but he can move. And Bill brought this up in their last meeting with Trubisky, their only one in 2018, he had 81 rushing yards against the Patriots, against a guy like Adrian Claiborne, who kept pulling behind the quarterback on that pass rush. And Trubisky and the Bears almost won that game against an eventual Super Bowl champion. So for me, when I look at this offense, the weapons are decent, the offensive line less so, the quarterback even worse. They can hurt you if Trubisky's allowed to play backyard ball. Is it as simple as that? Yeah, I think it is as simple as that because I think allowing him to play backyard ball will give guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool a little bit more time to operate and maybe separate, you know, get isolated. Claypool's a monstrous dude. I mean, he's a huge body. Uh, it posts up your guys. You know, I, I, he almost has some tight end traits as he as he did in at Notre Dame. So, to me, keep him in the pocket is first and foremost. You know, show your show your discipline with your pass rush, your edge guys. Um, box him in there and then make him beat you from that spot. And I think his history has shown that's not what he does and that's not what he's capable of. Now, I will say I thought to his credit on Sunday, he was pretty conservative, pretty steady. I think the message was clear, like, don't lose us this game. And then as the game played out too, it was really don't lose us this game. But then in overtime, he did make a couple plays to set them up for the for the game winning field goal. Again, sort of using his legs to extend plays. They barely pushed the ball in that game. Um, Tomlin basically said, well, you know, when you take a chance like that, you obviously open yourself up to potential negative plays, but then said, I don't want to say that we're not going to do that in week two, but I would tell you that they're probably – it's not going to be a big part of what they do. You, you'll see a couple shot plays. I think, you know, Pickens had a shot uh, and I think he overthrew him by a good, good amount. I think he missed Claypool down the sideline by a couple inches. Um, but in general, I think you're going to see a lot of underneath stuff, uh, a lot of shovel passes, a lot of just quick stuff. And, you know, look, if I'm their receivers, it bums me out a little bit. Cause I know I, I feel good about my room and, you know, my quarterback is, He's going to hold that back. Yeah, and there's there's also a dominant effect, domino effect, though, starting with the offensive line, right? Like, you look at how quickly he got the ball out. It was among the fastest time to throw, snap to throw time in the entire league. Right around that same neighborhood was Mac Jones, and both of them are trying to get it out. Mac against a high blitz team in Miami, but also problems up front along the offensive line, which were documented all summer. Trubisky, he's got two bad tackles, and that's just not going to be good business for anyone, even as mobile as he is. So I think you're right. And that goes to the receivers. But sticking with him for one second, back in that Chicago game, 38-31 Patriots, he had 81 yards rushing, as I mentioned. 51 were also after contact. So this is a guy that's not just going to go down, you know, like some of their players in the league with just kind of a, a stiff wind or, you know, a big sneeze. Like, you're going to need to wrap him up and take him down. He had five first downs. 
but also 331 passing yards. Now, obviously, the Patriots defense is wholly different. He's four years older. We all are. But I think he also threw two interceptions that game. And that speaks to if you just keep him in the pocket, like he's going to unravel on his own because you give him more time to kind of make mistakes and be outside of structure. But you just you still want to keep that structure kind of on your terms, if you will. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. And like, you know, I mentioned the edge guys sort of hem him in. Don't do the Adrian Claiborne and run past the passer over and over again and give him lanes. And then like, hey, look, you'd like to see Christian Baumor, who I think we both agree was one of their better players for the course of the summer, but was pretty quiet in the opener. You know, he can cause some damage there as well. Kind of cloud those interior lanes as, as Trubisky's trying to make plays from the pocket and either force him to bail way wide of the pocket and get on the move that way and, you know, retreat 10, 15 yards. Or, you know, you're just having this, again, you're, you're squeezing his vision. And I think I feel good enough about the Patriots secondary and the intelligence of that secondary to be able to, to fool him, you know, or to bait him into some throws. Again, if you can keep him, you know, in the pocket and, and sort of squeeze him a bit. Now, you mentioned the receivers being a little disappointed in that kind of quick trigger passing game. Um, these are some big boys. You mentioned Claypool, 6'5", 2-whatever, Pickens, another 6'4", receiver, the rookie out of Georgia who lit up training camp, supposedly like no receiver has before him. Mind you, for a franchise that picks out receivers blindfolded yes. and they turn into pro bowlers and all pros, of course, Deontay Johnson and then Brian Ruth, second-year tight end, local kid who's produced. I look at them and go, there's a size problem here for the Patriots who are going to start Jonathan Jones on the outside of five foot nine good corner just giving up literally six inches at minimum to most of those guys and then Miles Bryant five foot eight five foot nine or Marcus Jones in the slot of all of those names which do you think poses the biggest problem because you could still fit downfield shots in a quick trigger passing game three-step drop on that third step just kind of launch it down the sideline like we saw Mac do in Miami to me, it's actually Fryermuth because I just think that's – I think that's if, – if I gleaned anything from, from the game Sunday is that he is already Trubisky's favorite guy and has vaulted to the front of that, and that's who he looks to when he can't find anyone. And I think they, they certainly designed some stuff for him as well. Uh, I want to say it was 10 targets. I, I just think – Yep, he's in line catches, the, 10 targets. Yeah, I think he's in line for the same type of production. You mentioned it like he's a their receivers are freaks. You know, Claypool comes out and he's just like, she should be a defensive end. You know, he he has that like body type. Looks like Greg Rousseau from the Bills coming out there, you know, like all jacked up. Um, and then Fryermuth comes out and Fryermuth's lower half, like he one thigh is equal to my two thighs. He's just a he's just a really strong physical dude. Uh, and I think you saw that he's maturing. Uh, you know, he was good last year. I think he's going to be better this year. So to me, I, I just think when push comes to shove, that's where Trubisky feels most comfortable. And so as a Patriot defensive coordinator, defensive player, I've got that in my head going into this game. It's interesting, too, because we looked at the matchups last week and I, I previewed the Dolphins game with Zach Cox and Dakota Randall. We all kind of settled with a lot of help from Patriots history that Jonathan Jones is probably going to shadow Tyree kill. I look at this game and I don't think any of these receivers demand the same type of shadow. Obviously they're not Tyree kill, but from a size speed standpoint, you might do the same with Jonathan Jones on a Deontay Johnson, because he was the only guy who saw more targets than Fryer Ruth. And it was really the two of them than a huge drop off to everyone else. He had 12 targets in seven catches for 55 yards. Fryer Ruth five catches on 10 targets. The next closest was six because 
Johnson is not towering over everyone. He's got good quickness, you know, some butterfingers here and there, but you would trust Jalen Mills at six foot, kind of rocked up former safety to contend better with a Claypool or a George Pickens. Now, that being said, the, the Fryermuth problem is a big one because Adrian Phillips might miss this game. And he's the guy you trust most of all that safety group to take tight ends one-on-one because Kyle Duggar had a couple of very good plays, also the worst one against Miami, and wasn't great in man-to-man. So I, I don't know if you like that idea of Jonathan Jones shadowing Deontay Johnson, who also saw five of those 12 targets on third down. So I think you're right in terms of Trubisky's favorite target is going to be the tight end. That's your second best friend as a quarterback behind a good running game. But in key spots, he's still looking for who is probably the number one target in Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I I think actually I would be surprised. Well, I shouldn't say I'd be surprised, but to me, it's pretty obvious that Jones should be shadowing Deontay because I don't think you want the alternative of Claypool lined up wide or Pickens lined up wide facing John Jones. There's just way too much size uh, and, and, and Claypool's position strength for John Jones to deal with. I mean, you got to climb the mountain to even try to defend either one of those guys. So to me, I, I, I think you have to travel with them. I think Jalen has to work with the, with the bigger receiver. I, I, I don't really see a way around it. And I'll tell you what, if I'm Trubisky and I see that you're not doing that, then I know where I'm going. I'm going to find the big guy and the little guy every time. And I'm going to throw some jump balls and see what happens, you know, and see if we can make some plays that way. And I mean, John's a great athlete. We all know this, but that, that's a massive size differential with either one of those guys I mentioned. Yeah, and teams were doing this in the summer when they first started experimenting. Jonathan Jones playing outside corner instead of in the slot where he's been for the last four or five years. Like Mac Jones was going at him with Devontae Parker. The Panthers roll in here. Hey, DJ Moore, fade ball back in the end against John Jones. There were mixed results, but I think there was nothing to discourage from what we saw. And then, of course, the Raiders uh, with Devontae Adams. I mean, like... <laughs> Devontae Adams punked everyone there. Like I, I was talking to someone in the locker room the other day about that practice. He said it was the best receiver performance he's ever seen in practice What Devontae Adams did. Part of that is not Jonathan Jones fault, but nonetheless, there's nothing you can do really when you get talking about a five, six inch difference, which is what he's going to face. Now I started this by saying there's a domino effect with the offensive line to very bad or two So, so tackles, improving tackles. Um, the Steelers right tackle. I have his name in front of me. And last week I blew Noah Igbignogmi. Now uh, I just blew it again. Nope. Yeah, it's help, impossible. Help me here. No, I, no, <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I, I you know, I, I covered them in that draft, and I was just like, come on, really? You know, you give me Austin Jackson. I got all these nice, easy names, and then you hit me with Noah. And I tried. I even yeah. wrote it like I, I posted it up on the computer. I apologized to him about seven different times. And uh, no, I'm still not going to get it. Well, I can tell you their last, their left tackle is Dan Moore. Um, so that, that's, that's helpful. Um, Chukwuma Okorafor is the right tackle. You're very well. Sure. Thanks for the help on that. Yeah. The, the point being here that those are their, their weak points and really the weakest part, aside from Trubisky, of the entire offense. And I think this is a scenario in which, you know, the last week the Patriots finally punished the Dolphins for having a subpar offensive line for what felt like the first time in four games. Matt Judon, Dietrich tries both had four pressures. They both will have a real opportunity here to do the same. And it depends on how well Trubisky can counteract that by getting the ball out quickly. But when you look at Dan Moore, guy was a rookie last year, gave up seven sacks, had a bad preseason, only gave up one in Cincinnati. But part of that was because Trubisky's just getting the ball from under center and getting it immediately out of his right hand. Is this another instance where 
the Patriots can keep them in the neighborhood of 13 offensive points because of the tackle situation and the way Judon is still Judon and Dietrich Wise seemingly is playing the best football of his career. Well, I mean, just look at what Pittsburgh's defense did to Cincinnati's offense and all the turnovers. And in some cases, and put yourself in really good field position and scored a touchdown and they barely had any points in that game. Like the offense just settling for field goals, not being able to produce. So yeah, I absolutely think they can. And I mean, I, I'd be really surprised if the Steelers find their way into the twenties in this game. I just, mm. unless you're, unless you're just giving the ball up, unless you're giving them defensive scores, um, because you consider the amount of times that Pittsburgh started in great field position and wasn't able to do anything with it, wasn't able to convert, uh, is something Trubisky talked about after the game. And he talked about it yesterday, like, hey, we, we just got to be better and f- figure out ways to convert those turnovers into points and not just field goals, but touchdowns. Because I think had they scored a touchdown or, you know, earlier, then we're not even, we're not talking about a game in which, you know, they're, they're facing 100 plays on offense and, and having to do all these things to, you know, needing missed extra points and shanked field goals and all those sorts of things to, to get a victory. They could have, they could have won it fairly handily um, just based on what their defense did against, against Cincinnati in that game. But the offense just was not even remotely up to the challenge. Yeah. I mean, when you force five turnovers and oh. you have seven sacks on defense and you're still it's gasping not. for air at the end of that, that is speaks to how bad it was offensively for you at the other end of the side. So I, at the other end of the, the field, I think, this is an offensive line. Again, the Patriots theoretically should take advantage of. And frankly, the way the defense is built, they need to. And they blitzed a lot in Miami, more more than I expected, frankly, given their weapons. I don't know if they'll be as willing to do that here in Pittsburgh, because again, you can kind of just wait out Trubisky to give you the ball. And the longer those drives are, the more likely he is to, to commit a turnover. But if they don't win and they're getting the ball off, as you mentioned, Matt Canada, a lot of shovel passes. I actually saw Matt Canada's second ever game as an offensive play caller, uh, at Pitt six years ago when I was covering college, they played Penn State. This guy has a shovel pass fetish, let me tell you. There is a lot of shifts and motions and trades and multiple tight ends oh, and backs. We'll leave it at that. I'm not going any further he needs with that. Ther- he needs therapy then. Like, we got to get, we got to have an intervention here. It's, it was great in 2016, let me tell you. Penn State <laughs> gave up 42 points, and that was a defense with multiple former pros, also an offense with Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin, Mike Kosicki, all these guys. But, you know, it's, it's an offense where if that's your bread and butter, like that bread is stale and that butter is a different color than the one you and I are accustomed to seeing in the morning yeah. spreading on our toast. So I think for them, a lot of that, again, is a function of what can you do with your offensive line? Because that's going to limit you first and foremost when you're game planning. The state of that offensive line is not very good. Even their interior guys, Mason Cole's a center that I like, you don't love. But if the Patriots are going to pick on anyone, it's going to be a core four. Nicely done. Thank you um and Dan Moore on the left side who I think could be a decent player and I think was coming out of A&M but not someone you go put him at the blind side of our quarterback and protect every you know him for the next 10 years yeah and I think when we when we went over the Patriots in the spring and the summer one of the areas that I felt best about was their defensive line and look and that was still knowing that well, you're not sure whether Uche Anthony Jennings like are you going to get one of those younger players to emerge and in Uche's case, be a, you know, the third down pass rusher, which, you know, what he had 17 snaps against the Dolphins, but God Chow is fine. Or in Belichick's case, he's one of the best defensive tackles in football. Uh, you know, Lawrence Guy might be, well, he's, he's closer to the end, clearly. I, he's on the downside, but he's still a solid player. And Judon was 
the Judon we saw in week one was exactly like the Judon we saw for the first eight, 10 weeks of last season, you know, very mm-hmm. disruptive, um, you know, sort of leading the way on that defense. And, and Dietrich has always been a, a player they like and a, and, a, and a sound player as well. So like they have, I think the tools uh, and then Barmore, they have the tools to, to be disruptive and to win that matchup. And again, do you win that matchup? I, I, I'd be hard pressed to see the Steelers scoring a lot of points. And then the question is, can, can you score a lot of points? Cause that's, that's been a problem for you. Well, let's jump right into that right now. Um, I don't want to do a second autopsy of their loss in Miami, but yeah. I do want to ask you as someone who's very plugged in, particularly around the Patriots, just any sort of rumblings that you heard after the debut of this new offense designed by Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia and Joe judge and called by Matt Patricia and orchestrated by Mac Jones that goes to seven points and, and kind of largely underwhelmed. Uh, there's been a game of telephone and it's been, it's dated back to the spring uh, or in this case we're, we're texting maybe um, where former players who are here have heard a lot of not so flattering things from players that are currently here about the scheme change uh, about some of the coaching. Um, you know, as one person said to me, the news was very, very, very bad. So look, we, we get, the, as the messengers, if you will, we, we get shot at all the time, especially on social media from, you know, Belichick 972 with the hoodie and, you know, Pat Patriot 271 and the guy that's got the Mac Jones avatar. Um, but all we can do is a tell you what we're seeing. And then when we talk to people that know what's going on, translate what they're telling us. Cause obviously sometimes you can't tell the full amount. And you also, at times you have to consider your sources. What's what, what do they gain from this? What don't they? And I would just tell you that in talking to multiple players that were here in the past that have heard about what's going on now from guys that are currently on the team they're asking me like, what, what's happening? Like, what, why is this happening? So I know in your, in your game recap, you wrote like, Hey, the, all this talk about the Shanahan scheme, like that's dead. It didn't happen. Well, I, I think you're right. It didn't happen. They didn't run very much, if any two, three plays, but I think that was an acknowledgement of we put in all this work and it's not even remotely close to being ready for prime time. And if we go run this in a game against Miami, and we try to do it, whatever, 30% of the time, whatever their, their goal was going into the spring, we're going to, we're going backwards. It's not, it's going to be a disaster. And now not only are we hurting our offense and our team's chance to win, but now we're opening ourselves up to even more criticism. Like, Oh, I thought you guys adapted. I thought you guys were a game plan team and to be stubborn and just keep rolling something out that clearly did not take at any point in the summer um, would be foolish. So I'll give them credit for that. For, for acknowledging that we can't just beat our heads against the wall with this stuff because it's been crap. And it's, it was, I mean, I, I've said it in a bunch of places and I'm not trying to be mean, but their offense largely was an abomination all summer long. You can't, you can't go for them. I'm not trying to be mean to no, it was but an I, abomination. But, like, I, I, abomination I, is the, the bottom of the barrel. There is no more. But, barrel I, but am I wrong? Am I, am I wrong to say? No. No, I, I right. think the we, is- we never, we never, like we were near the end, the final couple of weeks, we were like the glimmer of hope, like, Ooh, that practice against Carolina the first day was decent. Like yeah. that might've been their best day offensively. And then you look at the numbers and you're like, and you know, I'm not a big 
numbers guy, but like just in terms of the picture, like, okay, but Mac was still like 21 of 35. He still threw an inner, like there were just, it never, maybe there was a drive here or there in the course of the summer that you're like, oh, that was good. And then right away you'd revert back to the crap. So um, it just, I'm, it, I'm with you. to get a lot better. There were abominable practices and I, I enjoy having your perspective generally, but especially on here, someone who, you know, we let off with this. You were not in Miami last week. You were in Pittsburgh. Yep. You were watching Cincinnati, the reigning AFC champions, and you've been in Buffalo a whole lot. So you have a perspective of what offense should like in a place where, you know, offense, if we count this year, two of the last three years, you can go three of the last four has not been above average. And that's a problem. Last year it was, you were a playoff team. You did that with a rookie quarterback, but we also, uh, what happened down the stretch. I just think there's to be an expectation of some sort of growing pains. Now it's easier to have faith that the pains will end and you will actually grow from them when you have an offensive coordinator who's been through the motions and not doing this for the first time. And I have a lot of faith in Bill Belichick's ability to put together an offense because he understands what hurts him defensively. However, the other point about having confidence in Belichick as an offensive, um, you know, a coach and installing a new offense and coaching that and going through all the growing pains is, he, oh, he's done it before. 1992, Cleveland Browns, look it up. No one else is looking at that 1992 Browns offense for any reason, not for any sort of schematic breakthrough, not because they were setting, you know, records that year or even in the top 10. And that offense and players was, you know, dependent on their limitations. And this is a very different time. It's a different era, all of that. I would just say that, your perspective is important because the Patriots offense, yes, needs to show progress from its former self, but the progress also needs to get somewhere in the rank of average relative to the rest of the league, not to its own history, not to its own summer, not to its last couple of weeks. And right now, obviously they're not there. And it's interesting that words are already getting all out, but I'll say one last thing in the Shanahan point, because I promise this is not, it's a little bit to do with Miami, but looking ahead to Pittsburgh, they ran two snaps of play action. 6% of all their dropbacks last year, that's in the neighborhood of, of 20 to 25. The Shanahan offenses never get that low. And I think it was a game plan decision to avoid all the pressure that was Miami was going to bring. They were the, the second blitz happiest defense in the league last year. Pittsburgh was not. Pittsburgh back then had TJ Watt. They will not have TJ Watt here on Sunday. And what I would expect is they're going to blitz a little bit more than they did in Cincinnati, A, to offset the loss of Watt, but also B, because Brian Flores is there and on that staff and understands how effective it was to blitz this offense when he was in Miami the last two years. And you're not scared of receivers who are averaging a full yard less of separation, according to Next Gen Stats last week, relative to the rest of the league. All of this to say is not abominable. I'm just saying that as simple as seems it was. seems like you're saying it's abominable. That's all I'm saying. I, I think you're, I think you're trying to be nice, but I like it just, there has been no consistency and I'll go back, you know, so I, I obviously I came home and the first thing I did when I came home from Cincinnati was I pop in the Patriots game. And then when the 22s finally came out, I watched that just because my initial thought as I watched the game from the TV copy was there are no easy throws here beyond 10 yards like you look at what and obviously we're talking about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell but there were some easy throws for Tua in that game down the field there were some easy throws that he absolutely misfired he's not that good people um that you know like a competent quarterback completes and now we're not even you're not even thinking you have a chance because the game is was over in the first half even more so than 
you would say looking at the score. And then I'm, I, I look at the 22s and I'm just like, my God, any time you push, I mean, you have the play to Bourne, the big catch by Myers had to be the most perfect throw and a ridiculous catch by Jacoby, you know, with the bodies blanketed all over him. And you're, I'm just looking and I'm saying, there's just nothing easy for this team. And that is back to the spring and the summer of the code words of streamlining, play flat faster, be more explosive, get the ball to your playmakers. Well, if you can't scheme it, these aren't guys that do what Tyreek Hill does and hits you with a post corner and he spins Jonathan Jones a really good corner around like a top because you have to respect that speed. They don't really have that. So I, it makes me wonder, like, how do you how do you do this if you're not intelligent enough with your scheme to take advantage of mismatches or create easy plays in this offense, which Josh McDaniels, even though the offense wasn't what it has been the last few years, still managed to find a way to do more often than not. Well, that's can, a good question. Can, I, Patricia, I, I, can Patricia and Judge and Belichick and all this group, yeah, can yeah. they do that? Because I didn't see it in game one. And that's that's where I was going before I got stopped at the two-yard line by my friend Mike Chiardi. Was what is your very passionate right there? Yeah, they're all valid points. But the the biggest adjustment you make from week one, I finally fulfilled my promise five minutes later that we're not going to dive back into Miami. But (laughs) the play action percentage was a vehicle to get to Pittsburgh because you look at Pittsburgh for all the reasons I mentioned, a team that I think is going to blitz more and have the confidence to blitz more in the ways with which they should blitz more against the Patriots. That would indicate to me if the Patriots are reticent to use more play action which is generally a cheat code for those throws between 10 to 19 yards downfield. Are they going to ramp that up enough? Will it be smaller? And if it's not play action as a solution to kind of, you know, generate these chunk plays, what are you doing offensive coordinator, Mike Giardi to jumpstart this offense relative to what you saw in week one? Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you something you already know. Football is Back and Bet Online is still your number one source for all your NFL and college football betting needs this season. Find all the latest odds, news, and game matchups right up to the minute at betonline.ag. It is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. It is always the fastest and always the easiest way to bet on your favorite sports, even beyond football. Look to the MLB playoffs, MMA, tennis boxing, and even golf. Yes, they're still playing golf out there. So head online to betonline.ag. Join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's 50%, 5-0. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Again, that's betonline.ag, where the game starts. Well, for starters, just personnel change. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think Kendrick Bourne is DeAndre Hopkins, which I feel like in the last couple of weeks with the way it's gone for Bourne, all of a sudden that's been some of the narrative with the media and, and certainly with fan base, but he is your twitchiest receiver. Get him on the field, try to scheme him up, get him the ball a couple of times in, in space, let him do things. I think Aguilar had a good enough summer that he probably should have had more snaps the other day as well. You know, the fact that Parker played the entire game I mean, I, he doesn't separate for Jack. Like, so there, there are, look, he's a professional receiver. He creates space with his body, the contested catches thing, but like, okay, 80, 20, well, 80, 20 against Xavier Howard is 20, 80. You, you lost the ball. 
I just, to me, I'm, I'm looking at scheme. And I actually think um, that Ty Montgomery's injury could be beneficial in the sense that Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, I thought Damian was probably your best offensive player, had your most juice of anybody on your offense in week one. Uh, I think Ramondre showed a, had a couple moments again where he shows that juice. Keep him on the field. Get them, get them the ball. They can, they can run through a tackle, make somebody miss. You know, maybe Ramondre is doing some of the stuff he did last year where he's stealing people's souls by running them over. What does that do for the energy on the sideline? That's the sort of thing I think, to me, just try to find a way to get the ball in those guys' hands a little bit more and hope that that is something that can just elevate your offense and put you in better situations where, you know, Mac's not looking at third and eight all the time because um, I think that's – I still think their run game is their – it's the best part of their offense. You know, I, I, I have no, they've given me no reason with the pass game to think that that's not the case, at least not yet. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I think for me, a touch on the play action. I think you do play born more and I think you play born more often within three receiver sets. I mean, they were down yes. the middle 50, 50 between 12 personnel and 11 personnel last week, I think against this defense, you know, their talent is still in the front seven, even without TJ Watt. So the more you spread them out, I like Akello Witherspoon. I thought he was the player the Patriots should have tried to sign for agency, a guy that the Steelers trade for last year, comes back here, plays well, both man and zone, um, and, and re-signs in Pittsburgh after a solid year. Cameron Sutton's fine, Levi Wallace, same in that location. But I think the more they're on the field, you trust a guy like Bourne to break through for a big catch, or maybe Devontae Parker to post one of them up, because he's now off of Xavier Howard Island. I think overall, though, you know, we can get into all of the X's and O's and, and, and things like that. Turnovers is going to be the big deal. You can't have three turnovers like they didn't expect to win, particularly against the defense that just forced five. So I'll kind of come back to just the first thing that I asked you when, when you were in Pittsburgh, was there just something about their defense? We could talk about the blitz rate, play action, whatever. The Patriots just need to play better. And that's, that's as simple nice. as it needs to be. But against this defense, beyond what I just mentioned, is there anything people should know about the Steelers strengths or weaknesses beyond a Cam Hayward, TJ Watt being out, Devin Bush, Minka Fitzpatrick, all that. Yeah. I mean, I look, I think the Watt thing is massive. You can't, he's just, he was dominating that game in, in a variety of ways. Uh, and I think uh, he's smart enough too, that I think, I think Cincinnati was telegraphing some stuff and TJ's seen enough that he was able, I mean, the interception, he just, he knew what was coming. And he, and he made, he made an incredibly athletic play, but he also knew what was coming. So um, he, he made the play on that. So Devin Bush, who has been a disappointment for them, played quite a bit and actually looked, um, I don't want to say he looked like a top 10 pick. Cause I don't think that's that player that he is. I think that, that, that ship has sailed, but he looked better than I remember him looking at, at any time that I've seen him. And I think that's pretty important for them. They want someone in the middle who, who has that, ability to to run and he's he's stout um he's sort of an x factor for me a little bit just because i think if you're going to run the ball successfully he's going to be a part of that you know can you handle him i think he's been handled before now if this is a new and improved devin bush as he i thought he was in game one then maybe he provides a little bit more pushback than you've gotten from him in the past but um yeah i think the interior of the Patriots offensive line, I mean, like the entire offensive line, but I think the interior of that Patriots offensive line is going to have to be on point against, against this team. All right. Well, let's jump straight into the three, two, one, three keys, two matchups, one extra point, because 
you know, I, I mentioned casually Mika Fitzpatrick. He deserves a lot more mention than that so far in this podcast. 14 tackles, a pick six to start the game. They're playing a variety of different zone coverages, but most of their game plan against Cincinnati was not this kind of intricate, let's fool Joe Burrow kind of plan. Burrow just played like crap, and they took advantage. And yep. what they were doing was a lot of cover two, which is how Mika Fitzpatrick had that pick. And then when it wasn't cover two, it was a lot of cover one, just man-to-man and him as a deep safety. I look at a key here for the Patriots is Mac has got to find Minka on every single play because that is a guy who's going to take risks. He's going to try to jump passes. And as a deep safety, I mean, those are generally the first indicator a quarterback is looking at a defense top down to eliminate, okay, they're not in this defense, so it's got to be one of these, and it starts there. I think he needs to manipulate him with his eyes because that'll open up things downfield where we know the Patriots need to go. But if you don't move him, he's going to find the ball. And then sometimes he'll get the ball and he'll deposit it in the end zone behind you, which they just can't have. And I think that for me has got to be key number one. Yeah, I would agree completely. Just he's, it's funny, he's not a captain. um, But Mike Tomlin has still talked up his leadership and how guys look to him and just being in the locker room uh, both Wednesday and then after the game, like guys gravitate towards him because they think they just understand he's a really good football player. Uh, and he just he is capable of changing a football game he, he obviously he set the tone in that in that Bengals game with the pick six right out of the gate you know like that's just not how you want to start the game that's what you that's absolutely what you want as a defensive team on the road um, yeah he's an important important piece for them all right key I, I just mentioned it no turn I mean you can have one or two turnovers but you're on the road okay this is an offense that will as I've said unravel on its own just keep Trubisky in the pocket he is his own taking tie bomb you will only buy him team time or diffuse him if you just give him the ball an extra couple of times is it that it's like i said as simple as that going connecting back to the mink point yeah absolutely and and i look to just um because i think we've seen mac not trust everything this summer a lot and i think you saw some more of that again in in the opener like the protection up front is going to be critical for him to like especially early, keep him clean, let him get some confidence, let him get some easy throws in there and just sort of see if you can sort of build off of that. Because, you know, and I asked him, I asked Mac this and I asked Jacoby Myers and just, it feels like the view from where we sit looking down is there's still a team uh, whose confidence, there's a crisis of confidence. And I think they desperately need to not only start the drive like they did against Miami, but then cash in and score points, get a touchdown, feel good about yourself right away. Because I think there is some fragility to what's going on here because they just haven't, Andrew, they just haven't had enough success. They don't, they don't fully trust what they're doing. They don't, you know, like whatever you want to say, they don't trust the coaches. They don't trust the plan, whatever it is. They don't trust it because they haven't seen it. And I don't blame them. Like, Hey, if you're not, if, if you're not finding success doing something, eventually you're like, do I really want to do that again? Do I want to try to bench press 225 pounds today when the last time I did it, it dropped on my chest and I, I had to shoulder it off like that. No, you speaking from experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you, I know you are. You know what, maybe I'll just go 185 today. Maybe that's what I'll do today. You know, cause yeah. I know I can do that and, and I feel better about myself. So I think they need to find some, some success and, and, you know, for the really, for the first time, have some extended success with this and see what that does for them. All right, three keys, turnovers, got to cap it at one or two. Mac has got to move Minka with his eyes and then keep Trubisky in the pocket and let him do the rest. Two matchups. I've got one, you've got another. Um, I 
I'm just going to stick with Matt Judon versus Dan Moore. Again, not to pick on poor Dan Moore. He only gave it one pressure last week. Very good for him. That number should at least double, if not triple, against Matt Judon or Dietrich Twice, who, again, is playing the best football of his life. And Dietrich will bounce around the defensive front, and he created some mismatches against, you know, what was an injury-riddled bad Dolphins offensive line, particularly the guard spots. But, you know, that's a, it's, if Judon's against Dan Moore, within the first few drives, the, the Steelers should be sending help to him. A chip, a double, you know, sliding the line in his direction. Like, they have to win that matchup, I think. Yeah, I agree completely. I think this is what you paid Judon all that money for. Um, he's got to wreck this game for them. Like, and he has the matchup to wreck this game um, from a Patriots perspective to that Steeler offense. Like, he, he could totally be the guy that you look back after the game's over and say, I mean, Judon dominated, and that set a tone that um, the Steelers were never able to recover from. I'll give you mine. It's Cam Hayward, who's been in the league, it seems like, forever, um, but is still playing at an incredibly high level in the interior of the defensive line. He tossed around. Cordell Volson, the rookie guard for Cincinnati, who was one of four new starters on that offensive line. That he did cool. it right away, too. It was, I think, the second play of the game. He they needed a warning it. before the NFL plus replay of that game. Like, may cause you viewers distressed. Yes. I mean, he just took him, and it was just like, I don't know why I zeroed in on it as the play was happening, but I was like, oh, my God. He just took a large, strong man, and he moved him like – it was me, you know, just like, yeah. boom, and just flung him to the side, ruins the play. And that just sort of set a tone for the Pittsburgh defense that they were going to be in Joe's face all game, hitting him, sacking him and whatnot. So Cole Strange, who I know the PFF guys gave a great, you know, pass blocking rating to whatever that's worth. Um, he's going to be challenged because I think they're going to seek. Um, I think Cam Hayward's going to seek out Cole Strange and see what he's got. And I think, too, in the run game, because, you know, a lot was made of the offensive line in Miami. I think we need to separate the pass blocking from the run blocking, obviously, because I think largely in pass protection, Mac was getting the ball out quickly. Yes, they had two very, very bad mistakes. And that yeah. defines a bad day for an offensive line. But, you know, it, for the whole game in totality, it was a pretty decent day in pass protection, whether it was PFF or ESPN's pass block win rate. When you look at the run blocking, however, they were dead last. Number 32 in run block win rate, which is basically, they quantify it as how long are you holding that block? You know, two, two, two and a half seconds. How often do you do that? The Patriots were at 58% run blocking. That's where their biggest issues were. And I think Cam Hayward will create as many problems for them on the ground as they will in pass protection. All right, one extra point. Something we haven't said that's on top of your mind or related to this game, unrelated, anything we haven't covered. You go first. <laughs> um, I, I got to give Matthew Slater a shout. I mean, the Patriots down three punts. I think all of Jake Bailey's punts in Miami inside the 20. Matt Slater caught one on his own around the five-yard line. Mac, Mike Tomlin's calling him a legendary player, not just of this generation, but period on special teams. You can always give Matt Slater his flowers. But the last time the Patriots were in Pittsburgh, they lost 17-10 to 10 late in the 2018 season. Last game they lost that entire year. The best play from that game, which is partly because it was a 17 to 10 game, was a diving save that I think Rex Burkhead was in on. And I talked to Slater about this yesterday, and he was like, that's one of the best plays we've made in my entire career. They downed it inside the two, just absolutely spectacular highlight. Look up if you don't know what I'm talking about. I think something like that, because of the state of the offensive lines and the quarterbacks, more Trubisky than Mac, could really swing this game. Not just from a field position standpoint, but... You get back there, you have a safety, you have a defensive touchdown, and given the state of these offenses, that might be the game winner, all set up by 
a play that Slater might make. Again, maybe not diving into the end zone, saving it at the two, but certainly down, downing something inside the 10. You know, I'll give, uh, if you're giving flowers to Slater, I'll give flowers to Jacoby Myers. I think, mm. look, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the quickest guy, um, but he's a, he's a tremendous competitor. He, he, under, he understands how to get open, even with his limitations. Um, he's, look, he's never going to be, we're, ne- we're never going to talk about him as one of the great receivers in the league. That he doesn't have those physical skills, but he does seem to find a way to make plays on a regular basis. And, you know, the catch he made against Miami was outstanding. He made some catches late in the summer that, you know, you just, he, he just reminds you like, he's just a, he's a good football player. And, um, you know, Pe- Parker has better, higher pedigree. Aguilar has higher pedigree. Um, you know, Bourne is sort of the flashy guy that everybody fell in love with last year, but, you know, down for down, give me Myers. He just, he, he does find a way to make plays. He just, and I think they're, they'll need him, you know, I, I especially look, they'll need him. And I think if you go back again, to go back to the Miami game, they're trying with Hunter, they're trying with Janu and it's just, yeah, it's not. So it's, uh, it's something I might be writing about today because Jacoby hey, Myers, hey. like um, today, of course, being Thursday as we record, yes. it'll be out Friday along with this episode. Kobe's a great to talk to but be someone who was so comfortable in his own skin and the way he was as a rookie even undrafted understands where he is like he's been their leading receiver from the last two years and the way he carries himself is like he's just still happy to be here like he won some sort of sweepstakes to hang out with the Patriots all year and his aspirations are in his own words to be I want to be a security blanket you want to be a blanket man like at the most diva position in the entire NFL he's going yeah I just want to like you know make sure you're okay not score touchdown, which obviously we know he had trouble doing, but shout out to him. Also, I really should have dedicated my extra point to Gunner uh, Olszewski. Uh, my guy. <laughs> I'll, I'll did you, did you see that? I posted a picture that was just for you, by the way. In the pregame, <laughs> they, they come out and he's got the he's got all the specialists and puts the hand in. And, and I'm like, this is for Callahan. I just took a picture. Yeah. I should have tagged you. I just said, this is for you. This is for you. That's my guy. It helps that that story I wrote about him is probably the best that I've at least top three that I think I've ever done. Not that I have a ranking, but like, it was just a lot of fun. He's got a super rich backstory and he's just a great dude. So um, yeah, hope to see him on Sunday. All right. We got two mailbag questions. Both of them are particularly negative. So um, I think you're, you're all teed up on this, but the first one's not that negative. Uh, This is from quote built to last on Twitter. What is the player's opinion? Parentheses real, not just what they say publicly and parentheses on Steve and Brian Belichick working on staff. You know, I, I've never had anybody, you know, pull me aside and say, like, do you believe these bums are on the staff? Like, I, I think they have a good amount of respect. And if you look at, <coughs> excuse me, if you look at, like, Steven, the safeties, Brian now, like, those are some smart players. I'm choking here. <coughs> those are some smart players. And they've accepted those guys and feel like those guys help make them better. So, you know, I think there is, I don't know about Steven, the defensive coordinator, but Steven, the position coach has always gotten respect. Yeah. I would echo those thoughts. I think too, sometimes you just have to look at the production, right? Cause it doesn't matter so much what they think of them. Kyle Duggar's gotten better under Brian Belichick. Devin McCourty's still playing very well. Adrian Phillips has played the best football of his career in New England. That might be, you know, the trickle down effect to the, the culture and the defense that obviously Bill is setting and establishing, but you know, the guys who have their hands on them every single day are Brian and Steve. You know, Steve, I wrote about when he took over defensive play calling duties in 2019. 
you know, naturally going to have some guys that love him. Patrick Chung no longer here. Landon Roberts no longer here. They were big voices in that story. But you get a, got a lot of guys who just get along with him really well. And I think, and this is something I've said in the past, there's probably more evidence that Steve's a really good defensive play caller than he is developing talent, like I mentioned Brian is. But I'm with you. I've never heard or had anyone come up to me and say, you know, Steve is a real problem or he's only here because of his dad. Like, hey, those guys work their asses off. No question the door was open because of who their dad is. But you don't stick around Foxborough unless you earn your keep. Um, and obviously some coaches are better than others. But I think these, you know, given where Steve is at now is a credit to him. And the way Brian's group has already grown in his short time running the safeties room is obviously a credit to him. And Steve told me once that Brian's like way smarter than he is, which is probably self-deprecating. But like that's that's your first way and easiest to establish your value to players. I'm going well, to tell you things you don't know. He went to Trinity. Brian did so like that's well no one's ever heard of that school so of course he's of course he's smarter than everybody really yeah all right the particularly negative question uh comes from Jonathan Gutierrez on Twitter he wants to know um have the players already bailed essentially like the the buy-in when are they going to quit have they already quit that they they've not quit but this is a little bit more relevant considering the comments you had earlier about you know word getting outside of Foxborough that the offense is not um I mean, the results are what they are, but people are talking about it, that it's going this poorly. Yeah, look, again, it just comes back to, I think they need to see some success and I think they need to see it soon. Or, mm -hmm. or maybe you do find yourself in a position where um, you've dug yourself too big a hole and guys start wondering like, you know, like, all right, the season's already over. Or like, what the hell am I going to do here? Or do I even want to be part of this rebuild? Like, you know, hey, the trade deadline is, you know, like maybe I make some noise and I find my way out. I think they do have to find some success and find some W's. Cause I, you know, if you, it, it's a tough schedule, at least this September, you, you gotta, you gotta put yourself in a position to be in position and they could find themselves not in position quickly. Yeah. Again, I don't think any players have already checked out. I yeah, think no. the disgruntled ones are obvious. Kendrick Bourne, we didn't talk to for three and a half weeks, Trent Brown, same time frame. They come out. Trent Brown has the shortest press conference he has ever given in New England. Um, but he did wear the happy face hat though. <laughs> I love it. Just it was a nice touch. Contrast is so good. Um, but again, winning cures everything. So yep. if they come out and they drop 30 on Pittsburgh, which could very well happen. We, again, we know nothing this early in the NFL season, then a lot of this will fade away. But I, I would think by the end of the quote unquote extension of the preseason, which really is, is not an extension mid October is a time that I would check in and go, if they're two and four again, um, and then you're almost out of the stretch of the, Browns and the Lions and the Bears oh my like you know you have to face real teams and if you're not beating up on those teams you have problems and I think they'll voice their uh, opinions but Belichick certainly has his finger on the buy-in it's something that he knows and is very important to him Gerard Mayo even spoke this week about he coaches players much different than he did when Gerard was playing uh, less than 10 years ago so who knows but certainly something to watch um, Mike thanks for coming on previewing this game you're going to be in Pittsburgh with us and then are you going elsewhere in week three? Do you know? No, I've got, I've got uh, Ravens at, at Patriots. Then Lambeau? I don't think I'm in Lambeau. Ooh. We have the, um, the London games. Already? Sundays, a week four and week five. So that means we don't have game day morning show. So I don't know that we're traveling. Mm. If the game is in my backyard, which I think the following week Detroit is at home. Yeah. I think I would be there because it's it's home uh but i do not believe there'll be uh, a trip to lambo which is unfortunate because i really enjoy going there and lambo in september slash october is 
awesome because the weather is nicer, a lot nicer than it mm-hmm. is in November, December, January. And that place is just, there's something about it. You know, like if you love football, that's a place that you got to, you got to hit at least once. Yeah. I, uh, well, we can all see the picture you and Aaron Jones, I believe that is behind you in every yes. single shot of how much you love Lambeau. That's a three twenty five local game in the drunkest state in the union don't ask me how they measure it i don't know i just trust it because why wouldn't you want to share that fun fact on podcasts or at parties but 325 is also an invite from our good friend trenny uh now casey she will be out there it's like oh swing by the tailgate we're having a dinner or something on occasion before 330 games that i mentioned covering penn state i would have maybe 111 a.m beer then go into the stadium do your job no problem it's fun it's college football we do this 12 times a year yeah. seven six home games why not it's not going to happen for me in Green Bay, but I will tell you, when in Wisconsin, it is it is awfully tempting one to kind of toast to Lambo. Yeah, it 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 is a uh, it is a really cool place. The setup is cool. Like even just driving into the stadium, it's uh, it's yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, you got to go. We've got to go down to Foxborough. Max Bax Bax um, This was like the 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 biggest shortest storyline of just shock <laughs> and despair. Too. Yeah, it's totally fine. He's fine. He's good to go. Uh, so I'm glad that's behind us. We got more from Jacoby Myers, more from you in the NFL Network. As always, I think we'll have you back for a fourth time. So we'll see about the payment. No promises, but well, you'll be back. I'm touched. Thanks, man.